Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. No announcements this week. We'll be jumping right on in to chapter 1019, then later we'll be discussing chapters 238 through 250. 1019, here we come. Got our cover page here, a nice looking color spread by Oda, cutting my work for the week down considerably. Feels good. Yeah, especially with how much color is in this one. Goodness. Indeed. Got our boys hanging out in the ocean with some polka-dotted whale sharks. Uh, Sanji over there has what appears to be a pizza with a watermelon as the crust. That's pretty delicious, probably. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a pizza. I assumed it was just a weird watermelon cut in that fashion. Uh, it's got something on it, though. Well, yeah, but that's what makes it a weird watermelon as opposed to <laughs> just a watermelon. Oh, of course. Uh, whatever it is, though, Zorro, teeny tiny Zorro, down there in the bottom right, is uh, having a good time munching on it. So, Classic Sanji, making good food. Yeah, everyone else is relaxing. Frankie's got a shirt that says you can steer. What's not to like? Quite. He's got his uh, whale hairstyle back. That feels good. Been missing it. It's the way it should be. <laughs> um, yeah, let's jump on into the chapter. We're back on the live floor. Uh, <laughs> Queen here firing off what Sanji describes to be rapid fire lasers, yelling Shah all the while. Classic Queen. <laughs> this is uh, probably one of the flashier fights we've seen. Queen's just showing off. Quite so. Sanji's impressed by the tech. Uh, he wants to give Frankie an opportunity to get his hands on it. But he also doesn't seem all that concerned by it. So I guess he's having a pretty casual time dodging these rapid-fire lasers. So good for you, Sanji. Proud of you. Speedy boy, this lad. Yeah, it's what he does best. <laughs> uh, then we check in with uh, Zoro and Miyagi and company again for a second. Not sure we could entirely trust this particular goat man as a doctor because he seems to be giving this injection pretty irresponsibly uh, and Zoro is very worried about it. <laughs> yeah, very uh, clumsy with the miracle medicine that he also forgot about. <laughs> like this dude is not great at, at their profession. I'm sure that uh, Zoro here would really prefer Chopper be doing it himself, but alas, he's still a teeny tiny boy that you can just barely see in uh, the squirrel mink's hands down that bottom right panel. But, uh, you know, currently incapacitated. Gotta leave it to second choice, Mr. Goat. <laughs> I wonder who Zoro would rather be giving this injection. Uh, Miyagi proven irresponsible boy or Sanji who did a fine job with his bandages oh man I, I feel like he'd rather not give that power to Sanji <laughs> you don't think so you don't think Zoro would want to put that responsibility in a, the hands of a man who will clearly abuse the power 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he would bite his way out if he had to. Probably. Uh, speaking of bad doctors, though, we checked in with Luffy and the crew of Law on the following page. Uh, and it would appear that despite their captain being among the most talented doctors that we know of, uh, that skill has not rubbed off on the rest of them because they really just don't know what to do. Well, I wouldn't either, mind you. <laughs> like, I would not think we pulled this man out of the ocean. Let's give him some meat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I think their line of thinking is pretty good, actually. Uh, pills, injection, like, uh, I don't want to mess up. Like, well, sure. They, they aren't doctors, so like, don't don't take a risk. Thank goodness Luffy is somewhat conscious to give them uh, the hint they need. <laughs> Indeed, the hint of exactly what he needs in order to recover. Yeah. Classic Luffy. Good thing this isn't a bone-related incident he has here. Otherwise, he would need milk instead. And uh, I'm not quite sure that the polar tank has a, a milk depository in there. You're betting they have meat, though? Like jerky <laughs> or something? Uh, Beppo's a polar bear. They gotta have something. I guess that's true. And there's salmon or something going on in there for sure. <laughs> Maybe like a, a baby seal or something. I don't know. I don't know what polar bears eat. Um, then we pop into the Skrull Dome, checking in with the Frankie versus Sasaki fight. Frankie's pretty pleased that uh, the gifters have jumped ship joined his side for the moment and uh sasaki here apparently I, I think they announced it at some point i don't remember exactly how he knows this but uh he says here just because you're under the effect of enemy powers doesn't mean it's not treason so uh, apparently being literally mind controlled is not a good enough excuse uh, in sasaki's mind <laughs> this is one of a few things in this fight that is just kind of i don't know oh a little weird or over the top like that's that is to be expected from a frankie fight for sure uh but i yeah that line is i don't know it's a little out there this dude's just <laughs> needlessly mean the triceratops man just being a little bit unreasonable uh, but he's got a big hat so i will forgive him frankie here comments how tough he is Feels as though he should have finished him off a number of times already. Uh, Sasaki mirrors that sentiment, and they get right on back into the tussle. Who boy. Transforms. You can see the, the V-shaped scar slash from a... I don't know exactly how long that was. Was that before Chapter 1000, do you think? Oh my god, it feels like it. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since we've checked in on this fight outside of, like, Frankie reactions to announcements going on from the live floor yeah those barely count quite uh he gets to be a large man he's got a funky sword calls it the trick mechanism screw sword little blades pop out of that sucker and it's spinning not good not good for your boy frankie very dangerous frankie is a little bit concerned refers to it as a freaky sword but he's not gonna back down it'll be okay says frankie more or less yeah, he's got pals on his side now. <laughs> pals that he immediately sends away. They're like, hey, want help? And he's like, nah, 
I'm good. Yeah, like <laughs> he's he is also feeling quite confident here, and and uh, you know I'm here for it. It's it's good times. Quite so, no doubt about that. Uh, Sasaki's also pretty pleased that they're leaving, and he shows off the uh, <laughs> the most iconic power of the Triceratops that I can think of. His uh, frill, I think that's what the that bit of a Triceratops is called. Uh, he <laughs> just starts spinning fast enough for him to fly. That's a power. Uh, it's called that thing. <laughs> uh, quite so. Frankie, notable paleontologist, uh, knows all we need to know about how dinosaurs work. Uh, but he wasn't expecting this, apparently. This is the one thing he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he doesn't get to see him this close up all that often. <laughs> Indeed. I think it's pretty wacky that uh, Oda went out of his way to change the design of Page One's Spinosaurus form to be more in line of like a recent uh, discovery that had been made um, shortly after he was first introduced. Uh but uh, this, <laughs> this is fine. Well, this is this is the hybrid form. So, like, the spinning neck part is just a natural power of this man. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Because on the following page, well, not the following page, uh, two pages from now, he says, "This is what a triceratops does." <laughs> so, uh, default power of the triceratops, apparently. Yeah, like, is that just? Is that just Oda's universe? Is that to be... Like, we just accept that? We've never seen another Triceratops, I don't think. Uh, so, like... I don't... I don't understand. Well, Jordan, we don't even know if modern science could even disprove that the Triceratops could do this, even in our reality. So, uh, I think that Oda... Just has a little bit more inside knowledge on the way things were back then than the, the average schmuck doctor paleontologist. Yeah, there's probably been like four research papers out there about it, but they're all locked behind a paywall, so no one's read them. <laughs> That's probably what it is. Um, but yeah, Sasaki appears to have <laughs> created the power to fly by spinning his frill really, really fast. And he uses it to slaughter a small number of the drifters using a technique called the Heliceratops, which I suppose must confirm that a helicopter does exist in the One Piece <laughs> universe. <laughs> um, yeah, because, well, hmm. I think helicopter is not the kind of word that a lot of people think it is. People think that it's like hella and copter, but it's actually helio and tear like pterodactyl i'm pretty sure oh i learned something today turns out uh oda knows the english language a little bit better than i do well done um frankie here concerned about the lives of his new pals i think it might be too late for them and also too late for frankie as he has no time to react to that before society has used that same move on him Lost it with his sword, though. Good for him. Yeah, he's fine. He's wearing goggles. Like, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the very least, dust won't get in his eyes. Dust that is no doubt being swept up real hardcore by all the spinning that's going on here. Good pre-planning there, Frankie. Well done. Always thinking. 
<laughs> Quite so. Uh, it looks like Frankie like deflects the slash move into the wall. Um, made the comment about how he wasn't expecting an aerial battle. He didn't bring his like jet boosters or whatever, I guess. <laughs> um, though on the following page, we get that line I mentioned a bit ago. This is what a Triceratops does. Of course. Duh. Yep. Yep. Everybody knows. Frankie's ready to agree with it, so I <laughs> yeah. am too. He's just like, wow, that's pretty cool. I had no idea. Um, then Sasaki here preps a new attack. Frankie prepares to guard against it using classic move General Shield, a.k.a. I'm going to hold up my arm and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. Quite so. Classic Frankie. Uh, but, uh, oh no. Sasaki here is, according to Frankie, uh, spun his propeller in the wrong direction, sending himself scooting backwards. How embarrassing. I, this, yep. <laughs> How could he do that? How could he mess up that bad? <laughs> he didn't mess up. He says right here, runway space acquired. He was just backing up to do a more of a run-up <laughs> to increase his momentum. I'm willing to give the man the benefit of the doubt. But, like, how how do you do that on accident? How does that happen? Is there something messing with his system? Does it, uh, you know, does it need to do one in reverse every five that he does forward? <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, I think the man just goofed. He just got all hyped up about talking about uh, the powers of the Triceratops. And he... <laughs> <laughs> he got lost in the sauce of the Triceratops? Okay, yeah, all right. exactly. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't say I haven't been, so I'll give him this one. <laughs> uh, but using all that additional space he created for himself, he uh, has more room to run, more speed acquired, powers off a bullet triceratops move uh, with great force. And then Frankie says another wild thing. Uh-oh, he's going to set off my shoulder-loaded rockets? Like... What? This man is hitting him in the arm? And then his shoulders are gonna... Like, what? Yeah, I don't really understand how the arm smack had a chain reaction all the way up to the shoulders. Um, but I assume that the General Frankie is just wired weird. The controls to it are just right there on the arm, I guess. Classic <laughs> Frankie. Yeah, okay, that's acceptable i mean it's not acceptable but whatever <laughs> you don't believe that explanation uh it's not that i don't believe it it's that i don't want to <laughs> understood uh only way i can explain it at the moment though yeah uh but as he predicts they do indeed go off shoulder blows up feels bad but uh frankie here uses the opportunity to combo that into a classic general suplex Bam, boom. Smashes that guy right on into the floor. Yeah, suplexes are uh, always good to see. Indeed. It's become a classic Frankie move as of late. Uh, well, yeah. When you perfect it, like, <laughs> you gotta. Of course. He mastered the art beyond all others, and now he's got to show off. I understand. Um, he goes in with a follow-up move, lights up the Franken sword again. V for victory flash, but uh, far too late. He's already unplanted himself. 
He's got himself right side up, but he's in the sky again. It certainly does look like Frankie is sending some sort of V-beam out, right? Like, I think last time this happened, we questioned whether it was, like, a ranged attack or what. But this seems to confirm it. It does look that way. I think last time, we didn't know if it was, like, lasery stuff, or he was just, like, doing a a downward slash and then bringing it back up, and that's where the V comes from. Um, but like you said, it looks like a projectile here. And, the, like, up in the panel where he says, Franken sword... It does look like the sword is glowing. Um, so I guess he's just adjusted that uh, laser tech into a sword. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. I don't know if lasers work that way, but I don't know if triceratops work that way. So, you know, who am I? Frankie's the scientist here, not us. I trust exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Sasaki has dodged it. Uh, Frankie's a bit bummed out about that, but he understands it's because he's not actually a good swordsman. <laughs> Who could have expected this outcome? He's so humble. <laughs> uh, I'm sure at the end of this arc, before we go into whatever the next one is, Frankie's power up of this arc will be him asking Zoro to train him as a swordsman. And Zoro will be, unbeknownst to him, creating yet another rival for himself for greatest swordsman in the world. Once he gets past Mihawk, uh, Frankie will be right there at the peak of the mountain waiting for him. <laughs> General Frankie, specifically. That way it can be like a two-stage Final Fantasy final boss. Oh, there we go. I like that idea. <laughs> Frankie is the Sephiroth of the, uh, <laughs> of the One Piece world. Understood. You heard it here first, folks. If you put the right liquid in there, you could probably get Sephiroth hair. <laughs> I guess it's like Genova's blood or something. Yeah, he just slaps that into a bottle, puts it in his chest cavity refrigerator, and bam, boom. Yeah, maybe some of the life stream itself. I don't know. I don't know where he would get any of that, but uh, <laughs> we'll hook him up. I'm sure yeah. they have got that on, like, One Piece eBay or something. Um, but before that final boss fight can happen, he's going to have to replace his sword because society has sliced it in two. Gachank, it says, as it falls apart. That's no good. Yeah, Frankie specifically says that it snapped, which could just be a translation thing, but, like, I don't know. To me, snapped indicates more of a blunt force as opposed to a cutting force. Uh, agreed. I mean, it's not... I have a hard time calling this a slash, either. Because it's, like, a weird, spinny sword. Kind of like what a Mr. One back in Alabasta had a move kind of like this, where he, like turned his arms into, like, circular blades and, like, spun them real quick. Yeah. That's true. I had already forgotten that it is a spinning sword. There's so much other stuff going on. <laughs> Indeed. This man's got a lot going for him. Yeah. Uh, Frankie decides that, well, don't got my sword no more. Time to pull out my ultimate last resort, which turns out to not be that. He's a dirty liar. Uh, but he says it is for the moment. Um, it also seems that they're almost back at the live floor. Hmm. <laughs> Wonder if uh, that's going to matter. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta, right? You can't just introduce that and then not have a payoff. Uh, agreed. But does that mean Frankie, after this, is going to join in one of the fights happening on the live floor? 
at the end of this fight, we see that, you know, the, the Frankie Shogun is pretty badly battered, but Frankie himself is, like, totally fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know if he'll join in a fight necessarily, but he could, well, I mean, if it was a smaller fight, sure. But, uh, I don't know, maybe he goes and helps protect uh, Tama and Usopp and Nami. That could be, but I think by this point they're already fleeing away from the live floor, so we'll have to catch up with them. But if, like, Sanji says, hey, Frankie, Tama's in danger, go help her or something, that would at least give contest for how or why he would go and do that. Yeah, and him um, coming up from behind would not be a bad thing, like, uh, like tactically. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he'll just notice out of the corner of his eye as he's running through here uh, all the lasers happening and he'll just like hide behind something until Queen is finished off and then he'll sneak on in, gather up all the laser tech and then he'll go somewhere and uh, attach it to himself. Maybe he can hack Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he sneaks up behind Queen, just like rips his like ponytail laser claw thing off and just like slaps it onto his own hair and that's the upgrade. That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, before any of that can happen, though, uh, your boy Sasaki tries another bullet triceratops attack, uh, but he gets himself blasted high into the sky by a classic general cannon. It's there portable now. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty dope that it is happening here. I missed it a lot. Delightful. Um, yeah. I'm glad to see the consistent damage on his shoulders, and you can see, like, the tube connecting his his uh, forearms to really just ground it all, make it all make as much sense as possible. I'm amazed that he still, like, needs that in order to use this move. It's, like, the exact same thing that he used even pre-time skip to use this attack, and uh, still necessary. Well, that's true, but this is this is also the... A general Frankie, like that's that's got to change it somewhat, right? Oh, I'm I'm sure this is a stronger version of the move, but in the pre-time strip, he used that exact same like T-shaped connector thing in order to like combine his arms to be able to use the move. I'm just surprised that it's still a a necessary component to the attack. Is all? Well, right, I understand, but like how how else? Would you do it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's got a... I don't remember if he used it with the general Frankie or not, if this was just a ability of default Frankie arms, but he can just do the coup de vent with one hand now, so maybe... Okay, well, yeah, if that translates to general Frankie, then yeah, I see what you mean. Just a little strange. Uh, pleased to see it, just as kind of like a throwback to the way he used to do it. Um, just kind of surprised. Uh, but oh no, Sasaki still isn't finished off by his ultimate last resort. Oh dear. Yeah. Seems like <laughs> anger is keeping this man conscious. Yeah. Dinosaur literally too angry to be blasted away by an air <laughs> cannon. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Yeah, that's the um, headline. <laughs> he is blasted in the sky though. Uh, decides, alright, here we go. Guess I'll take us both out with this special move called the Magnum Ceratops which I guess is just the same thing, but with more distance and from a higher vantage point. 
think yeah, he just made that one up on the fly. Yeah, it's all about <laughs> intimidation at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, he uses it to blast his body, blades and all, into General Frankie. Frankie does tank the hit. Kind of looks like he's being smacked in the face in the panel like where we see the impact actually happen. Yeah, um, yeah. In the next panel, it doesn't look like that. But uh, Frankie has ejected himself. <laughs> Lades high in the sky. Yeah, quite wisely. <laughs> Indeed. Fires off a big old Frankie radical beam. Hits society right in the tumby. Yep, the perfect finisher with his... Yeah, like he said, his legs askew, looking <laughs> looking as Frankie as possible, showing off his goggles in that last little panel. Indeed. Lovely stuff. Feet in the sky and spread as much as they can be, given the circumstances. <laughs> uh, fires off that beam. Goes right through him, explodes behind him. He falls down. Think that's yeah. the end of the, the Triceratops lad? Oof. I... I don't know, because he's in his hybrid form, which is, like, probably pretty tanky. He's taken a few hits for sure, but, like, we can't really see what's happening to him. He looks pretty burnt up. He does. And in the panel on the left there, where he's, like, upside down, you see his, a zoom in on his face. His eyes are all whited out, but they were that way on the last page, too, before yeah. he got back up. <laughs> My guess is, yes, this is probably the end of this fight, just based on the length of the Jimbe fight that got, like, the majority of two chapters. And this is the second basic chapter of the Frankie thing, too. Um, but uh, I guess we didn't really see the aftermath of the Jimbe thing either, so that could still go on, but I think that both of these are probably done. It'd be cool if we got more, of course, but yeah, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. Quite so. Uh, thoughts on this fight overall, then? Uh, it's a pretty good fight. I would have rather seen like more tactics out of Frankie, um, but... You just want tactics out of everybody these days. Mm-mm-mm. Well, it's my favorite, <laughs> so what? Um, but he was... He was always kind of, like, reacting, and he reacted really well. So um, I'm pleased overall with the fight. I'm overall pretty pleased with it, too. Uh, I was getting some serious uh, Kaku vibes from the way uh, Sasaki was behaving here. Mm -hmm. Uh, How, like, with Kaku, he, like, accidentally pulled in his neck too much and his legs extended. Uh, Similar vibe to uh, him accidentally propelling propellering himself backwards um but a little bit i like to say i'm disappointed i'm just surprised that for the most part we didn't see any like new tech from frankie in this fight considering right before the crew split on zo uh he said he was going to build anti-kaido weapons and I wasn't expecting him to actually build anything that was effective against Kaido. But uh, I was expecting something fresh. And to the best of my memory, we didn't get anything. Yeah, I, that that is that is a disappointment. But I think the statement from Sanji earlier is, well, was, more than just foreshadowing of the rest of this fight. I think 
you know, as we said earlier, like, Frankie's probably going to get his hands on something from Queen. So he'll get an upgrade. It sucks that it, it doesn't flow with the story as well as it could, but it's something. Agreed. Um, and the only other thing I have to say is that I'm happy we're getting fights at all, right? I wasn't expecting anything more than like two, maybe three chapters per character. Um, but at the same time, I think that the length of these fights does them a bit of a disservice, just in the sense that these are in theory the strongest opponents that these guys have had to face up until this point, except for maybe the Jimbei thing. Uh, we don't really know who Jimbei has fought in the past, um, so who knows if who's who stacks up uh, against those guys. Um, so it would have been nice to see a little bit more of each fight just to kind of flesh out the struggle a little bit more. Um, but that's a small complaint because I'm just happy that uh, we're getting anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could... We could probably go to almost any arc and say the same thing, right? Like, we would always love to see more of the fights. And we know we know Oda has said himself that he would love to give us more, but there's just, there, there is not the time in the day to do it. I just wish there was. Um, but yeah, aside from that, pretty satisfied with the Frankie stuff. Frankie's always fun to watch. Big fan of this lad. Um, I'm glad to see he's getting a bit of shine. Uh, I, I know I say this often, but this is going to be so good in the anime. Even though I don't watch, like, eventually I will go back and, and hit these high points, and this is definitely going to be one of them, because it's just, it's lasers and spinning things and goofs. It's good. Indeed. The fights in particular are always really fun to see in the anime, because this is where, like, the literal motion is, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really been knocking it out of the park the last few episodes. I don't know what's going on with them, but uh, well done, Toei. Uh, then we finish off our chapter back on the roof, rooftop of the Skull Dome, uh, checking in with Yamato and Kaido for a couple pages. Kaido says here that uh, he never intended Yamato to eat a devil fruit, um, but uh, <laughs> Yamato was hungry. He ate it anyway. Yeah, you know what, what they can say? you do? You're hungry. You gotta eat. You you need a snack. You eat a snack. <laughs> Quite so. Uh, words to live by, Yamato. Really appreciate that. Uh, we had a little bit of banter here. Yamato's like, I tried to kill you a whole bunch. You knocked me down a whole bunch, uh, but doing that made me stronger. And then uh, we did on the final page here a visual reveal. At least we don't know what type of fruit this is yet. Uh, but we get a visual reveal of what a uh, Yamato's Zoan form looks like. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> uh, I didn't either, and nobody really does. Um, but I poked my head into the the subreddit today, just kind of get a feel for uh, what people's growing theories were. And I googled a whole bunch of stuff that people were suggesting that I thought it might be. Um, and I think the most likely theory so far is that Yamato's fruit is a Kirin. Um, not to be confused with the weird horse from Monster Hunter, mind <laughs> you. 
Uh, a Kirin is like a weird dragon horse deer hybrid type deal, uh, mostly seen in Chinese mythology, but in Japanese mythology, it's more of a it's got more deer-like features than dragon features, um, and the ears and like the horns and stuff look a lot like what we see out of a uh, Yamato on that bottom panel there. So uh, that's I pretty that's cool. The, Indeed. There's there's a lot of hair and like I don't know, clouds or fire or fur something coming off of Yamato. Yeah, I thought it my first instinct when I first read it was that it was definitely fur, but I guess it could be like clouds or something. Yeah, I I don't know, just the way that it's like coming out in the I mean, the, the panel where it has both Kaido and Yamato, like, almost around the armpit area, like, that that doesn't feel like fur to me. Yeah, there's a bit of a tuft coming out of the elbow, too. That I could buy as fur. Like, sure, it'd be weird to have a <laughs> little ball right there, but, like, that, one, that one's more believable to me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But then also, on the close-up of Yamato, like, Again, in like the shoulder area, it looks like it's rising up as like, you know, flames would. Um, but I don't know if flames feels right. I don't know. I'll definitely be interested to see more of this. And I'm sure that sooner rather than later we'll get like a maybe a flashback that names the fruit and we get some details about how it was acquired and all that. Um, I look forward to that. There were a couple other theories on the subreddit that being of it being like a Inari fruit, which is like the god of foxes and a couple other things, and like a Kitsune fruit, even though we already have somebody who has a Kitsune fruit, so that mm. person didn't really do their research as perhaps they should have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a couple other things, but uh, out of the ones I saw, this looked most visually similar to uh, to what we got here, so... That's what I'm going with for the moment. All right. I like it. Anything else you would like to say about this chapter before we move on? Uh, nope. It was a good one. I enjoyed it. Agreed. Uh, there is a break next week. I read somewhere that it is because Shonen Jump itself is on break due to the Olympics. So the next chapter won't hit until August 1st. Got another break, but that's too bad. Um, all right. That takes us into the reread segment. Here we go. This bit, we did about 12 chapters. We're going from 238 to 250, uh, covering Ganfor's exposition to Satori's destruction. It's a good time. Agreed. Uh, That guy's the worst. Glad he's probably dead now. Yeah, I can see why you would label him the worst. He, well, we'll get there. (laughs) He's not nice to your boy. No. (laughs) No. But uh, before all that, the uh, we, we pick up with the crew continuing their adventure after being saved by Ganford uh, and his cool-ass bird. <laughs> um, they go into Heaven's Gate without paying, which, you know, causes a lot of drama down the line, but they don't know that now. Uh, 
Conus, Sue, and Pagaya are introduced, along with the concept of dials. There's a lot thrown at us here at the start. Like, I can see why a lot of people might not like Skypea, but regardless, it's all cool stuff. Uh, Nami's the first one to actually master using one of the dials, which I found kind of interesting. Um, you know, based off of what I said last time, I, it kind of felt like Usopp would have been the first to figure it out, but because this one has to do with navigation on the water, like, yeah, of course that's going to go to Nami. Um, and it leads to a very snarky and jealous Luffy, which is <laughs> delightful. Not something we see very often, but it was nice to see. That guy was being a real jerk <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, just, oof. But, uh, yeah, Nami, Nami puts herself in a bit of danger, turns out, because, well, you know, Enel's here, and he's scary. But Quite. they don't know that yet. It's nice to have this inside info, for sure. Uh, but for them, they just get to be real scared. Nami tries to get them to leave. Uh, and it doesn't happen, thank goodness. <laughs> they end up actually learning about more of the dials, and, like, I love the dials, they're great, but some of them make more sense to me than others. Um, like, I I get the wind one for sure, and kind of the recording one, but for the others, like, storing heat and all that, it's like, why would shells need that? But uh, this is one piece, so... You just, you say it, they, it's because. I appreciate that Oda goes out of his way to kind of explain, like, it's it's fake science. He made it up, but to give an explanation for why Sky Island could exist in the first place and support life. Mm -hmm. Where he's like, oh, like, an active ingredient in sea prism stones or something. It's blasted into the sky with volcanoes long ago. And that's why we got different types of clouds. It's like, the amount of density that of the water that was absorbed into it or whatever, that's all well and good. Um, but then he gives no explanation for how in the heck, like, the magic shellfish that can do all this wacky <laughs> stuff <laughs> exists. Is it also just because of, like, weird sea prism stone stuff? Is that stuff radioactive <laughs> or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, the, the white sea is an extremely unknown environment so like who knows what sort of factors played into these things evolving over the the course of their time in the sky so like sure i can understand a living thing kind of needing to store heat for you know traversing different parts of uh the water or maybe for different seasons but, you mean the clouds. Yeah, the clouds. <laughs> um, but, like, what about the other ones? <laughs> yeah, what does a shellfish need to record audio for? Well, I mean, maybe to, like, to spook a predator or something? I, ooh, I guess. I, I kind of consider that one just to be, like, a, a call to people putting shells up to their ears, almost. Well... No doubt, but like in universe, it has to have like some sort of evolutionary reason for it to have happened in the first place. Yeah, I'm just more willing to let that one slide because of oh. the the grounding in the real world. Sure, um, sure. 
But like, wh when are things underground going to be impacted uh, heavily? Like, impacts slow down dramatically in the water. Uh, that's true. I don't except for those remember... mantis shrimp. Those things punch real fast. True, but that is one of the few fish that can throw a punch. It is <laughs> thus one of the few impact-related threats a shellfish is going to have to endure. Exactly. So, yeah, like you said, Oda did great on some parts of this and, you know, left us wanting a little bit on others. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Maybe one day we'll return to this. If it does turn out that, like, the, the sun god Nika... I think that's what it was called from last chapter, uh, is in some way related to Sky Islands. Maybe we'll touch on this concept again, maybe, uh, but uh, wouldn't count on it. Yeah. For now, it's just a cool thing that is unique to the Sky Islands. And it does make for some cool stuff. Oh, for sure. I, I love all the cool stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's all short-lived, and uh, some of it's glossed over pretty quickly. Well, I don't think it's short-lived, because, I mean, this happens way down the line, but Usopp leaves Sky Island like a bandit with like a ton of these things that he uses to upgrade their, their equipment. So it's pretty, the concept is pretty long-lasting. I don't know the last time that a dial was actually mentioned in, in canon. Last time it was probably mentioned was right after Nami pulled out her previous form of the climb attack. Um... Even after she got back from the two-year time skip, I would assume that some of the upgrades into her, like, the witch climb attack or whatever she called it, was probably dial-related because she made it on a sky island. Um, but I don't think it was mentioned by name at that time. Oh, we also have the um, the tone dial that uh, Brooke used to record his crew's dying song. <laughs> and, uh, those yeah. things are also used, like, those things are actually used, like, in, like, the world now. People, like, use them as CDs after the time skip or something. Okay, so it has been grounded a bit more. Okay. Yeah. In small ways, but yes. Well, then good. <laughs> I like that a lot, now that I remember. <laughs> right, back to the story. I did um, notice a small, kind of weird thing uh, in that little bit where Nami is spooked by big lightning blast oh yeah and it kind of leads into like the whole thing about like the white berets and the the fine and all that all right Anaru's boys uh his vassals were getting pretty hyped up when they heard the news about the illegal trespassers because they're like yay we get to murder people sure does suck that you can't split seven heads four ways evenly but what are you gonna do but we find out shortly after that that the trespassing itself was a crime that could be solved by paying an additional fine, right? Luffy yeah. and company had to work their way through like five tiers of crimes before the vassals had to get involved. So it makes you wonder if like the purpose of the high price of admission and the subsequent ten times fine increase uh, is kind of designed to get people stuck in like a chain of crimes like what happened to our boys so that the vassals have to get involved um, kind of 
forcing people into a situation where they have to pay a small fortune and continue funding Eneru's operation or get killed by their elite for their amusement. Kind of a win-win scenario. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind that that's how it is. Like, they, they see it as more of an expectation that they will end up killing someone because no one can afford the, the fines. Like, everyone mm -hmm. is living in a police state down there. Like, it is, it is awful. Yeah, it's no good being on Skypea right now. It's a rough go for everybody down there. When just saying the wrong thing to get you lightning blasted in a way that creates a enormous crater where your house once was. And probably your neighbors, too. Yeah, I was going to say, you and everyone in like a 10 to 15 foot radius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's like, with the possible exception of crocodile sandstorms, I think Enaru's long-distance lightning blasts are the largest-scale move we've seen in One Piece so far. Scary. Yeah. Scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, he is imposing, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And he's got long earlobes. Yeah. But the, the crew <laughs> ends up being, you know, top-tier criminals in a matter of seconds uh, for one reason or another. Probably because that is how the system is designed. Uh, Indeed. But, you know, they don't care. <laughs> They're pirates. They they do this yeah. all the time. So, Quite. Uh, so, the crew gets split. Uh, Zoro, Nami, Chopper, Robin get carried off by another lobster. This one with God written on it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> the God lobster. I love it. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, they get carried off to the sacrificial altar. Luffy, Sanji, and Usopp are left behind to take the slower route, which is, uh, the best. <laughs> the best, huh? Yeah, they just get to have a good time. Well, it, uh, it introduces... A good time, he says. It introduces good conflict, like, um... That's true. It, it would not have been as good of a fight with Satori if they would have had, like, a fast boat, you know? It would have been way more... Well, I guess he could have done it differently, but... I don't know. I liked the the combo of the slow-moving boat and the randomness of things exploding and snakes and all that. Like, it's a, it's a good dichotomy. Indeed. And uh, Satori could have just blown up the boat at any time had he wanted yeah. to. So I think it says a lot about the guy that he likes to play around and like kind of give his enemies a chance of sorts, turn it into more of a game than an execution, which is what it's meant to be. So good on you, Satori. Right. Like he he said, it's it's got a ten percent survival rate. So like, yeah, he actually he does let people go. So you know. As much as he sucks, he's a man of his word. <laughs> Indeed. Good on you, Sautery. Still haven't forgiven you for, like, nearly murdering <laughs> these three guys. Uh, but, you know, at least you've got a, a sliver of honor in there. I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that whole fight, I think, starts around, like, 246. And that's 
actually where I feel like the the arc overall really gets going. Like before that, there's a lot of exposition, a lot of like the dials and character introductions, and here's the laws of this land, and and here's the like the vassals and that system and all that. But then like 245, 246 hits, and it's just like, all right, we're getting less words per chapter, more punches. Uh, the <laughs> flow starts to sort of pick up again, and uh, yeah, it's it's I don't know, reinvigorating. It's good. Indeed. Every arc has to start with like its little exposition bits to kind of set up what we're here for. And uh, Skypea takes its time a little bit more than some because it's like its own little world up there. You gotta explain literally how everything works because it's so different from the Blue Sea. Um, and as a result of that, it can feel like we're a little bit aimless for a time. Because like, for example, they show up on like water seven after this and like all right we know our goal we gotta go find a ship right get the, the merry go fixed whatever the case may be per arc uh and this one we don't really get that until they start causing trouble <laughs> and uh once we actually get past the the setup bits that's where we uh really start cruising oh yeah yeah it's it's like i said it's already started at least in my opinion um and, like, I know that there are plenty of moments in this arc where it just rocks. Um, so, I'm looking forward to those. But we do get some, like, really good stuff here as well. We get this introduction of Mantra in, like, a combat sense, which, you know, is observation hockey. So, um, like, yay, good, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that it works pretty much exactly as it does, even in, like, modern hockey times, aside from, like, the advanced stuff where you can, like, literally see the future. But Sautry uses it, like, exactly as Luffy and company did up until recently. So that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it lasts a long time. Uh, and it never really, in my opinion, felt like it needed to go beyond I'm cool with it doing it. It's interesting. But, like, I don't know. It's just, it's a good power. Indeed. And it uses it to great effect and really roughs up our guys. Yeah. Puts them, puts them even further into the underdog state. Uh, Quite yeah, so. Right off the bat. That, that impact dial is, like, really powerful. And Oda draws it to really look devastating. <laughs> All that blood coming out of Sanji's mouth when he takes that hit to the chest. Oh yeah. Oof. There, well, yeah, yeah. Especially there, but there's there's a lot of situations here where there's just like blood coming out everywhere. That bit where uh, Satori sends the ball cloud towards Usopp when he's like up there giving Sanji's directions, and uh, Usopp freaks out because he thinks it's gonna blow up or something, and it turns out it's just a flower. Um, all very funny and such, but then when he falls, it's like really brutal he like looks really messed oh, up yeah by that fall <laughs> many angles that body parts are not supposed to go in yeah, poor usopp he really has it rough in this little bit yeah he almost always poor does guy. but like for some reason oda was he was feeling graphic in this in this time he certainly was um so after 
Sanji gets messed up by Satori, uh, we see a flashback to the crew's decision of what to do with the uh, the whistle that Ganfer gave them for free. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that that's a really enjoyable time for me for two little little bits in this like two page spread. Um, I love Nami uh, calling out Robin. Zoro, Sanji, and Luffy as not being able to blow the whistle. Um, mostly because they're too strong, but also because she pointed out Luffy just wants to blow it to see the guy again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Good. And then that to immediately going to uh, Chopper blowing the whistle upon first sight of uh, Shuri. Like... <laughs> I, I can remember that part in the anime when I was younger watching that. Like, just the the slow but also extremely quick putting of the whistle to the mouth and the eyes bulging out. It's very pure chopper. It's exactly what he would do, and I'm glad it's what happened. Indeed. That guy grabbed that whistle and blew it at the first sign of danger. And that's a that's classic chopper right there. Especially after he realized that... Uh, he was the one in the most danger because yep. Zoro left. <laughs> and that's he's in the most danger because he was too cowardly to go with Zoro in the first place. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> and uh, during that little flashback bit, you also get that part where uh, Usopp, Chopper, and Nami are arguing who deserves the whistle because which they're each arguing about which one of them is the weakest. And uh, a very sad, <laughs> but fitting conversation to be yeah robin comments on it almost like breaking the fourth wall uh slightly but it's i mean again it's what she would do she is she's just a you know a step ahead in a lot of departments here (laughs) indeed oh but man ganfer is such a good character um not only is he like super noble and the old kami and all that but when uh, he's talking with Pagaya, like, while keeping him and Konus, and I assume Sue as well. Um, but, like... Nah, Sue's good. <laughs> Sue doesn't need protection. <laughs> all right. Um, but even even in all this, like, he makes sure to take the time to ask about the crops. Um, and he... Well, he gives a killer speech on morality as a whole. He introduces this concept of the Song of the Island, which pays off later. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. big fan of the the Sky Knight. Yeah, I like it a lot. Even though he's retired now, he still cares about the general well-being of the populace, and he's still doing his part to protect the people by offering his services as a Sky Knight. Granted, he's getting paid for it these days, but you know, gotta buy pumpkin seeds. So, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, he's getting paid fairly decently. Um, but he also gives out freebies, so, like, he knows what he's about. That's true. He also, I don't think he specifies, like, what happens to the whistle after he blows it. Is that just, like, infinite calls to Danfor as needed after you purchase it, or... What's, what's stopping them from just abusing that power after one buy? Don't think he thought through his business plan very well. Uh, yeah, I don't remember if he says it's a price per whistle or per 
like, help, but he does discuss some, something of that sort. Indeed. Um, but, yeah, regardless, I think he's probably helping people out wherever he can. Quite so. The Shandians are introduced, and not much happens just yet, but we know that they've got beef with, uh, everyone. They, <laughs> they just don't care. They know what's theirs and they're gonna take it and indeed fine cool i respect that uh and then shura gets an easy triple kill uh he he (laughs) takes out old man kami he takes out chopper he takes out um pierre the bird probably takes out the mary if Mm. we're if we're being honest yeah, drowning people sure is fun, huh? It was easy for him. He really only had to do one. <laughs> yeah, and the rest just kind of fell in the place. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> he he's fine. He's doing great. He barely is damaged. Um, and then suddenly there's a dragon in the ball challenge, which, as it turns out, is actually string challenge 2.0. <laughs> Indeed. But that's on the down low. Don't tell anybody. It ruins the challenge. Yeah. Uh Luffy figures it out uh, pretty much by accident and takes care of it very swiftly after that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just glad that uh, previously in this bit, uh, Sanji had said to Luffy, like, watch out, he's tougher than he seems. I'll be back to help you out. And then here he actually does deliver on that uh, against Mm -hmm. all odds. The man is conscious. He's floating on a very safe bubble somehow. And, uh, really, really sends this dude to, uh, the nap zone. (laughs) I gotta assume, I mean, I don't remember for sure if we see Satori after this or not, but it sure does look like that kick should kill him. (laughs) Right, like we said, Oda is feeling (laughs) gruesome, he's feeling brutal, uh, and, like, I, I very distinctly remember some teeth coming out. Looks like that skull would be cracked. No good. Yeah. Sanji's, like, regular kicks can probably shatter bones of pretty much anybody in the series at this point. And then he, like, builds momentum and slams down with the heel. It's it's a whole to-do. Yeah, there's... Brutal, Sanji, but he had it coming, mm-hmm. so... There might be observation hockey, but there's not armament yet, so this dude is out of luck. <laughs> Indeed. Uh... I had a thought, but I totally missed Okay. Well, I mean, if you have any other <laughs> thoughts, please share them, because I'm out of notes. Uh, all I had left was a small list of fun gags that uh, occurred oh, good. <laughs> during this uh, session. I didn't have the energy um, to keep track of this one. <laughs> so many of them occurred, like, in the build-up to the Satori fight, when they're, like, on their way to the Ordeal of Balls. Mm. Like, the bit where, like, Luffy's, well, it is a forest, <laughs> in response yeah. to all the weird stuff going on. Uh, as they're going through like the tunnel, Luffy's like, wow, sure, we'd suck if uh, this just like dropped us off the edge of the island right now. They're like, no, nah, that wouldn't happen. And then <laughs> it almost does. They feel as though it's going to do exactly that. Everybody's eyes are popping out of their head and such. Yeah, I think someone tells... Usopp to keep his eyes open and he's like why it's dark and I can't see anything <laughs> yeah they're like oh I guess yeah. you're right <laughs> would you look at that uh, during the ordeal of balls itself uh, 
Satori sends like four balls at Usopp in a row, like four birds <laughs> pop out of it and just singing. Uh, and then the four birds just beat the shit out of yep. Usopp. Yep, he could have run away, but he was too distracted. <laughs> Indeed, they they were good singers. Uh, Robin, before uh, Zoro and Co left the altar, uh, when Zoro's like down below trying to swim to the shore. Chopper's like, I sure hope he's not dead. I hope Zoro's all right. Robin is like, nah, if he were dead, the clouds would be red. Yeah. <laughs> That's some classic Robin stuff right there. Her deadpan delivery is is why I'm here, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Luffy and Zoro both separately in very different scenarios doing the Tarzan <laughs> yell. And Usopp. <laughs> yeah, he does one too. He names like his like grappling hook belt thing on the fly. I feel like and misses the boat because it doesn't detach. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny too. Um, then my last one here, you already uh, mentioned where he blew his whistle. Chopper did at the first sign of mm-hmm. danger. Well mm-hmm. done. That's your observation, hockey at work, no doubt. Uh, but that's all I had. We covered the rest of my stuff as we went. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, certainly more beautiful than the break that we mentioned earlier. But we'll get through it. Indeed. We'll be back to discuss the next chapter when it drops on August 1st. Um, Before we go, though, a quick thing. Uh, Feel free to send in your thoughts on the new chapter, questions you might have, whatever, um, to the email at inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com. You can also send us stuff on Twitter at inherited underscore will in a comment on the YouTube video, wherever you like, pretty much. We'd like to eventually be able to start up like a little Q&A segment or something along those lines. So uh, if you'd like to see that Q&A, you got to send stuff in. Um, so that's again, email inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com, Twitter at inherited underscore will, or again, just comment on the YouTube video. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here, Jordan? Nope. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.